Don't touch that phone. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network, and there's no escape. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. No! Stop! Leave me alone! No! Who are you? Help! Leave, leave me alone! No! Mom! Bobby? Magic and magical people, the unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. She sat on the couch in my office, twisting a napkin so tightly I was afraid she was going to cut off the circulation to her finger. She was casually dressed in a pair of black boots, jeans, and brown leather jacket that had seen better days. Her hair was black as night and framed a face that was too young to be sporting that many worry lines. I had the feeling she would be attractive, if not for the lines and baggage. Part of that baggage was sitting beside her in the form of an 11-year-old boy. His messy hair and black glasses gave him an uncanny resemblance to a certain boy wizard of celluloid fame. Since I was currently without an assistant, it was unlikely anyone had offered Mom or Junior anything to drink. I gave the Mom some coffee and asked Junior if he wanted to run outside for something from the machine. Since I was unaccustomed to having minors in my office, the only drink I had that was less than 80 proof was coffee. The quickie store across the street, however, had all sorts of mixers that a kid Junior's age could drink without fear of hangover or arrest. Junior pushed his glasses back on his nose. I was pretty sure he was ready to accept the dollar bill I was holding out for him, at least until his mom spoke. Thank you, Mr. Strange, but no, Justin doesn't leave my sight. That's fine, Mrs. Campbell. You were telling me about what brought you to my little slice of nightfalls? It's Ms. Campbell, but you can call me Trudy. This is my son, Justin. I shook Trudy's hand. It was rough, but the grip was firm. I nodded at Justin, who regarded me with the disinterested look that only a middle school boy could muster. He went back to reading his comic book. Odd, though. He was reading it from right to left instead of the traditional left to right. I'm worried about Justin, Mr. Strange. Other than the dyslexia? What? Justin isn't dyslexic. Why would you think that? You're supposed to read it that way. It's a manga. A Japanese comic book. Little Justin was less than overwhelmed with my astute skills of observation. He yawned in my direction. But it's written in English. Why not publish it the way we read it? How should I know? Justin, be nice to Mr. Strange. She's fine. I tussled his hair. So how can I help you? Justin has been having nightmares. We looked at each other for a moment before it occurred to me Trudy was waiting for me to respond. It seems to me that a child psychiatrist would be better suited to this than a private detective. They put him on meds that didn't work. I've seen psychologists, regular physicians, and psychics. Psychics? I hope you didn't waste too much money on them. For Justin, there isn't an amount of money that is too great. Yeah, and most storefront psychics will take full advantage of that little piece of trivia. Are you not a spiritual man, Harry? Quite the opposite. I absolutely am. But psychics are, at best, observers of human behavior and have a gift for reading people. At worst, they're storefront charlatans who tell people what they want to hear. 
Regardless of which category they fall under, a psychic's claim to be able to tell the future seems to contradict the whole free will thing. Interesting to hear you say that. One of those charlatans recommended you. Which one? A Romanian woman? Madame Tasha? Impressive. She doesn't usually take clients. How'd you score a visit? Tasha is an old friend of the family. Why is she so special among psychics? Well, she did have the good sense to recommend me. Tasha said you were more than a private eye. More like... A champion? She said you would be able to make the connections to solve my problem, or at least get it under control. Tasha spoke highly of you. She also said not to be captivated by your gray eyes and broad shoulders. Tasha said that? I'm surprised. We didn't part on the best of terms. Well, if you don't mind me saying, she seems quite fond of you. We should talk about Justin. Justin's nightmares are horrific. They started about a year ago, after his father... She looked away. This wound still stung. I assumed they were related to his father. But they've grown more frequent and intense. We've changed diets, bedtimes, and anything else that might help. I even bought a dream catcher. Nothing worked. The nightmares occur a couple of times a week. But the other night... She shuddered. I put my hand on her shoulder as she continued. He was screaming. And he sounded like he couldn't catch his breath. It was awful, Mr. Strange. Justin was wheezing and choking. I rushed in to help him as I turned on the light for just a second. I thought I saw someone sitting on his chest, leaning over his face. The next day I thought it was just my imagination. Then I read about what happened to the Bobby James boy and his poor mother. I looked at the kid. His comic book, excuse me, manga, was in his lap and his eyebrows kept forcing themselves up. It didn't look like he'd win the sleep battle much longer. Maybe I should have offered him a coffee. Was it a woman? I think so. Does that matter? Yes, I think it does. What time does Justin normally hit the rack? Excuse me? Bedtime. What's Justin's bedtime? Oh, about ten. I'll be at your house at 9.30. I have a few things I need to check first. She leaned over Justin and a stray hair touched his cheek. She gently shook him. They walked down the hallway to the elevator. Trudy leading her son, the manga tucked under her arm. Trudy and Justin Campbell lived in the Burbs, just outside of Night Falls. Their house was a three-bedroom ranch in an older neighborhood. I navigated my Monte Carlo through narrow subdivision streets and parked outside a house that could use a paint job and some gutters. Ah, the joy of home ownership. Made me glad I was a renter. The house was a split layout, which meant that the master bedroom was on the opposite side of the house from the smaller ones. Trudy led me to Justin's room. Justin's room was decorated in strange cartoon characters with white pointy hair, the only one I did recognize, Astro Boy. Rolled up in one corner was a sleeping bag. At last, camping, something I could relate to. Justin was sitting on a bed covered in sheets featuring a bald little boy with a blue arrow on his head. Is this gonna hurt? I took my kit from inside my jacket and put it on his desk. Of course not. Do I look like the kind of guy who would hurt a kid? I pulled the chair from his desk over to the bed. Trudy stood in the doorway, alternately picking her pinky nail and brushing a hair back from her face. I'm not going to hurt you. What I am going to do is help you sleep, and the best part is, I'm going to go in your dreams with you. Uh, you can't go into my dreams, unless you're magic. Magic, huh? You mean like this? I reached behind his ear and pulled out a 50-cent piece. He was suitably impressed. Go ahead, you keep that. Huh, thanks. 
What I just did isn't magic, it's a trick. I'll show you how to do it. Some magic is just a trick. Like the man who makes the elephant disappear? Exactly. There are some explanations about why what I'm going to do works, but you don't need to understand them. You just need to know it works. This isn't a trick. This is real. But remember, your mom is standing right there and neither of us will let anything happen. When you fall asleep, you'll see me in your dream. Don't be scared of me, okay? Will I be able to talk to you? Maybe. Now you lay back, and I'm going to put my fingers on the side of your head. Just relax. Think of a calm place. A place that's safe and warm. Imagine yourself getting lighter. Your legs feel like they're filled with air. Your arms want to float towards the ceiling. Now your legs? The room melted away from me, and at first, there was nothing but whiteness. Distance was impossible to judge. I felt warmth all over. Slowly, Justin's bed, with him in it, began to come into focus. It was still hard to judge how far away he was. I was certain that where I was still awake, the over there, my hands were on the side of Justin's head. If that contact were broken, I would snap back to the over there. At least, that's what I thought would happen. I was surprised how easily I was able to enter his dream. My mentor, Sansavani, taught me this process years ago, and I've only been able to successfully do it three times. Four now. The whiteness was beginning to fade into a room, but not Justin's room. This room was a dull gray, a deep thick gray that didn't allow the color to exist. The blankets on Justin's bed were visible, but their color was a muddy mix of pigment. Now that I had some reference points, I was able to walk towards the bed. Justin's eyes were closed and he was breathing lightly. His arm was wrapped around a stuffed animal. I turned toward the door. His mother was still standing there, twisting another napkin. What this woman had against paper products was beyond me. There was a spot on her arm that I hadn't seen before. I moved to get a closer look at the spot. Justin stirred and I looked over my shoulder, but he seemed fine. More spots appeared on Trudy's arm, each making a little popping sound. The wall next to Trudy started to bubble outward. Simultaneously, the spots on her arms sprouted eight spindly legs. Their bodies bisected and an uncountable number of eyes appeared on the front part of their now hairy bodies. In front of the eyes, a pair of claws grew. Mom! Spiders! As if by a telepathic command, the hundreds of spiders on Trudy's body bit her all at once. Ah! I started to run towards Trudy, but she seemed to get further away with every step I took. The wall next to her head bubbled out and then exploded. Thousands of spiders flew into the air, and all of them attacked Trudy. She fell to the ground under the weight of them. All I could see was her hand clawing out from under a shroud of black, biting spiders. Mom! Mom! Mr. Strange! Help me! Damn it, this was a dream. I was inside Justin's head. I turned and started towards him and saw a woman standing over him. At first I thought it was Trudy, but this woman's hair was too long. I went closer to her, trying to ignore the screams still coming from the nightmare Trudy on the floor. The woman, whose face was hidden by her hair, was stroking Justin's cheek as if she were comforting him. Hey, who are you? When she didn't answer me, I touched her shoulder. It was like touching a sack full of snakes. I pulled my hand back and she turned towards me. The boy's champion? I think not. He belongs to me, and you belong out there. I believe I actually jumped when I saw her face, which was red and blackened as if by fire. Her skin is cracked as a barren desert and just as dry. 
bluish-gray veins punctuated her face like a road map. Two rows of misshapen, yet sharp-looking, teeth filled her mouth. She came at me fast, her skeletal clawed fingers wrapping around my throat. There's something special about you! With more strength than a woman her size should have, she threw me backward towards the dream tree. I hit the floor hard, dislocating my shoulder in the process. I stood up and she was on me again. Special this! I threw a punch at her face and hit nothing but air. Next thing I knew, she was behind me. What scares a real champion, I wonder? I turned in time to be punched in the mouth of the roundhouse that felt as if it was thrown by Mike Tyson. I stumbled backwards over Justin's bed. I noticed that Trudy was no longer covered in spiders and the wall was back in place. The woman pulled me up by the lapels of my jacket. I'll save the boy for another night. I am much more curious about you. With that, she headbutted me and everything went black. My head felt like it had gone through the spin cycle in an industrial washer. I wasn't sure if I was out for a minute or a hundred minutes. I was still in the bedroom, except... No, it couldn't be. I checked my clothes. They were different. The style was... Suddenly the floor began to fall away. I rolled and tried to grab onto the bed. Too late. I felt myself falling through infinite space. My hands clutched at the air and caught only air. Just as I hit the ground, I found myself standing at a dock, the sword of Yarlin in my hand. The smell of the sea air and the sound of the gulls brought everything back to me. Despite the cold breeze, I was sweating. Not five feet in front of me was my wife Madeline, Maddie to her friends. She was holding a female sailor in front of her. Maddie and I had only been married a year before a vampire named Vale kidnapped and turned her. I knew how this was going to play out. Somehow the Mara had managed to find the one nightmare I had and was making me live it. I tried to force myself awake. The one thing different was that Justin was still here. He was wearing a sailor's uniform and sleeping on a bench. He looked drunk. I tried to call out to him, but Maddie spoke first. Hello, Romeo. Nice to see you again. I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to run and avoid reliving it. But my mouth and legs had other plans. Slowly, I moved towards Maddie and the sailor. The sailor was young, probably barely old enough to wear the uniform. She looked scared. Of course, anyone with a vampire on one side and a man holding a sword on the other would be scared. I'm not Romeo and you certainly aren't Juliet. Or Maddie. You're an abomination. You promised to protect me. You said they would never get me. We'll take a good look. This is what your protection does. I did everything I could to save you. Put the girl down and we can search for a cure together. A cure? Why would I want one? I am immortal. She opened her lips and licked her fangs. Then she licked the sailor girl's neck. I didn't want to see this. I tried willing myself awake. Please, Maddie, I'm begging you. Let her go. My left hand dropped slowly into my pocket. Please come with me. The worst night of my life was replaying itself and I couldn't stop it. I moved towards Maddie and the sailor. Don't come any closer. You're gonna kill her regardless of what I do. Another step, my hand closed on the special gun I had pulled out. True enough. Will you cut off my head? I don't want to, but I will. I don't think you will. 
I don't think you can kill the one woman you ever loved. <laughs> I guess you showed her, didn't you? I spun to where Justin was sleeping. Namara was sitting next to him, her nose close to his mouth. You chopped off her head! Do you remember the look on her face when you swung the sword? Look there! I didn't want to, but you know how things can happen in dreams. I could feel Maddie pulling away. I held her hair in my hand. You shot me! I can't believe you put a silver slug into your wife! The sailor lay on the ground, blood flowing freely from her throat. It's not too late. Let me finish feeding. Better yet, feed me, and we will rule the night forever. Maddie, please. We can find a cure. There's a group I know of who are trying to fix this. You're such a Boy Scout. No one is ever going to be able to fix this. Come on, lover. Give me a kiss for old time's sake. She leapt up with more strength than I thought was possible. It was instinct more than anything that swung the sword. No, please! I love you! Her body fell to the ground. Her eyes still watched me. I know vamps can't cry, but I was positive I saw a tear. <laughs> this is how it will be every night for you if you ever interrupt me again. Do you understand, Romeo? I dropped Maddie's head and lunged at the Mara. I swung my sword wildly, not even sure if it would do any good. The Mara was gone. I spun and lunged. She wasn't there. She was behind me again. I smelled all the foulness of an open sewer when she spoke, her breath burning the back of my neck, her hand tightening on my wrist. Every night you will kill your wife! Every night she will die at your hands. Every night for an eternity, you will feel what you feel now. Remember that, Harry Strange. She twisted my wrist until it snapped. Then the Mara pushed me and I fell forwards into an internal darkness. Are you okay? Wow, I saw you. That old woman beat you up pretty good. Justin, shh! Mr. Strange is here to help. Mom, you should have seen it. First she headbutted him, and then she- Enough! A crazy monkey was pounding on a drum inside my head. My shoulder screamed with each movement, and I was certain that my left wrist was broken. The plus side was that I was already beginning to heal. Can I get you anything? Pop-tarts. What? Pop-tarts. He said pop-tarts, Mom. We don't have any. Mom says they're junk food. Muffins, waffles, anything high in carbs. Uh, baked potato? Perfect. My body has miraculous healing properties, but they drain me. I needed carbohydrates to restore my energy. I started to stand, and my shoulder voiced its displeasure along every available nerve ending. My broken wrist added to the symphony. You may want to look away for this. My shoulder's out of socket, and I need to put it back. This may be a little gross. No way, I'm not missing this. Did you see anything in your dream? Uh, I saw you, and I saw the old lady. I think she tried to do something to my mom, but you stopped her. You killed a vampire. While Justin was talking, I lined up my shoulder with this door frame and... Ah! Damn, that hurts. Never try that at home. I'm a professional. Whatever. 
Tell me about the old woman. Have you seen her in your nightmares before? Uh, yeah. Lately she's been there a lot. What does she say? What does she do? What was that sound? I didn't hear anything, did you? Nope. Justin was just telling me about the old lady who rang my bell. The old lady I saw? Possibly. Well, probably, really. I mean, after all, how many old ladies pop up in the bedroom of an 11-year-old boy? Is that potato for me? Yes. I hope you don't mind. I just tossed it into the microwave. Perfect. Justin, please continue. She's been in my dreams a lot in the last few weeks. She says that I am almost ready and that my name will be sung in the new world. Me and the other boys. She said soon she and her sisters would be ready. Ready for what? This doesn't make any sense. How can someone from a dream do this kind of damage? It's not like you can pull things from the dream world into the real world. You assume that the dream world is ethereal, non-existent. But that's not always the case. Sometimes a dream is ephemeral. Certainly to the dreamer and for those entering the dream the way I did. That means that old hag is real? <laughs> that old hag. I like that. The hag is Mara, or more technically, a Mara. One of seven hags who cause nightmares in humans. Justin scooted closer to Trudy, who had sat next to him on his bed. The Mara are spirits who collect human fear, not the fear itself. That would be silly. Justin was accepting everything because that's what kids do. They haven't lost the ability to see the magic, to look behind the mask of reality and see the truth. Trudy, on the other hand... Harry, if you don't mind me saying, this seems all a little... Bizarre? Twilight Zone-ish? X-Filey? Pick the fantasy show of your choice, but you must admit that A, you saw me sitting next to Justin the entire time, and B, for no apparent reason, I was knocked out of the chair, and C, my wounds don't match those of a man who just fell out of a chair. Now you can sit there and disagree with what I'm saying, or you can accept that there may be some truth to this and allow me to help you solve the problem. Which will it be? I accept that what you're saying is happening, but you have to admit, it's a bit much to take in all at once. Trudy, magic, magical spirits and things are all around us. Everything we take for granted today was once either magic or fantasy. Phones without wires? Crazy talk. Surgery with robots. Insanity. Quantum physics, microbes, gravity, all things you can't see but affect your life. Is it really that far of a stretch to accept other realms of reality? Now here's what we need to do. Delicious potato, by the way. First, we need some coffee. So no one falls asleep? Like in the Freddy Krueger movies? No. I just think better with coffee. I did what research I could online and then went back to my office to look into some grimoires I had collected over the years. The details of the Mara were sparse. The more I read about them, the more concerned I became. What I could find spoke of their formidable powers and strength. There were seven sisters. In some stories, they acted as succubus, stealing men's souls and causing nocturnal emissions. Some stories had the Mara as the daughters of a demon, temptresses who tried to seduce the Buddha. Of course, according to this story, the Mara were beautiful. Not like the veiny, snaggletooth hag I saw. I rubbed my shoulder. My wrist was working fine. Five by five, as the old flying aces used to say. None of the stories mentioned how to kill a Mara was beginning to think it had never been done. Or perhaps the Mara Slayer died slaying the Mara. I kept digging. One of the things that bothered me about this was why Justin? There are billions of people on the planet. What was so special about this boy? 
As far as I could tell, he was a normal middle school kid with average grades who liked manga. I opened another window on my Mac and went to the Nightfall's Vital Records page and clicked on the employee portal link. With the help of a friend's password, I would be able to access all the birth records and marriage licenses in the state. I found Justin's birth certificate. Interesting. Under father's name was one word, unknown. What was it Trudy had said? Justin's dad left about a year ago? Assuming he was the same guy, why wouldn't she put his name on the birth certificate? Maybe she did. Maybe someone at the hospital neglected to fill in the form. Twelve years ago. Hmm. Curious. I fumbled around for yesterday's paper to get the other victim's name. Were the cases related? I think so. The other kid's mom said she thought she saw someone sitting on her son's chest. That's too bizarre to just be happenstance. Metro section. Hmm. Ah, uh, there it is. Okay, now let's check this with Justin's records. Hmm, now isn't that something? I'm a big believer in free will. I also believe that from time to time the universe, the creator, someone or something more powerful than me sends me a sign. Sometimes it's synchronicity. That World War I army field jacket you bought at the thrift store ends up having a laundry tag that indicates it belonged to your great-grandfather. Other times it appears to be a coincidence, like the fact that three boys, two of whom are now dead, all share the same hospital and delivery doctor. I accept synchronicity. Coincidence, on the other hand? Well, that's just the universe smacking you upside the head with a rolled-up newspaper and telling you to investigate further. Tonight's episode, Harry Strange 104, Nightmares, was written and directed by Tony Serechia and produced by Brianne Ahern. All material is copyrighted by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Parker Weirling, Amanda Weirling, Callan Stennett, Parissa Johnston, Brianne Ahern, and Kimberly Poole. Harry's theme music was written and performed by Lance Hogan and is copyrighted by Lance Hogan and used with his permission. Contact Lance at his email, hoganl at yahoo.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyrighted by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission. Visit Incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Visit HarryStrange.com to keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at HarryStrange.com. For The Harry Strange Show, I'm Sarah Serechia. Boy, I'm hungry. Let's go get some lunch. I'd love to, but I have to work on my tax return. No problem. We'll do both. Both? How? We'll just go to that place where you can file a form and force feed some frijoles at the same time. Of course. You mean Taco, Taco Tax. tax. <laughs> Good day, senors. I am Hugh, your waiter. Here is your menu and your 1040. What would you like today? Mm, I'd like the uh, number seven, please. I the taco enchilada and standard deductions. And you, senor? Gee, I don't know. What do you recommend? Oh, the chimichanga and charitable deduction is very good today. I don't know. Or if you're on a budget, I think you'd like the burritos and bankruptcy platter. We call it Chapter 11 Heaven. No, I had a pretty good year. Oh, too bad, senor. Then you're eligible for our gotta pay a lot of tostada. Both the taxes and the tostada will eat you alive. Fine, I'll take that. Okay, how many nachos? Two. How many dependents? Uh, three. Five. Man alive, no jive? I told you, I had a good year. Now, what to drink? Tea for two. W2? On the double, Hugh. I hope you enjoy your meal. I'll be right back with your refund. Make your taxing more relaxing. You get more on your plate of food that's great, but give much less to the IRS at Taco Tax, Taco Tax, Taco Tax, Taco Tax. Taco tax. Ah! 